Hey, Rodrigo, which European club has the most players still in the World Cup? Pop um, Don't look at the notes. Um, you know what the answer is. Uh, Tottenham? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Tottenham Hotspur. Um, so this is our plug for the big ICC uh, matchup. Tottenham Hotspur are coming to Minneapolis to play AC Milan at U.S. Bank Stadium on July 31st. Nine of their players are still in the World Cup. Now, Can you name them? Uh, I probably could name name them. I'm not going to off the top of my head. Um, uh, so that that means like basically everyone's the cuddliest team in uh, in EPL because they're always they never quite get close enough to winning, but they're always really close. Um, are up against uh, AC Milan, the the red and black from Milan, uh, the, the the frankly better Milan team, um, and the the world. Cup will be basically be a, a couple weeks in our rearview mirror, but people can come out and tickets are available for still around thirty five bucks, um, and, and you can kind of check out this kind of big spectacle that's going to happen at US Bank Stadium on July thirty first, which is the date that I'm supposed to close on the bar. Woo-hoo! And uh, I just spoke to someone the other day who helped set this stuff up, and i was like can you get christian erickson to my bar and this person did not answer me and evaded me so i assumed that that meant yes so anyway uh july 31st tottenham hotspur ac milan u.s bank stadium go to 55-1 and the top banner uh undo your ad block or uh you know if you're a, a wholesome human being you don't have ad block on there and then you can click on it and uh get tickets hey wes how many ac milan players are still in the world cup none that is wrong. Are there? There's oh. one. Ivan Strunic oh. of Croatia. Congratulations, Ivan. Uh, AC Milan also has a forward who is Croatian, but he was cut from the Croatian team. Hmm. So, yeah, the Hello and welcome to the 551 Podcast. My name is Wes Berdine and I'm, I'm pleased to be joined by uh, Rodrigo Sanchez Chavarria. How are you, man? I am good. I am good. But and today's a big night. What's the big night? We have the return of... Yes, Alex Schieferdecker on Woo-hoo! the phone. Yeah, welcome back, Alex. Wait, uh, we're supposed to sing some sort of song, right? Some yeah. sort of Ozzy Osbourne song? Uh, yes, something, oh, something about coming home. I can't tell you a single... Ozzy Osbourne's song. Ozzy Osbourne's horn uh, we're supposed to sing. There you go. There you um, go. Great. Back I feel from, honored. Uh, Thank you so much. S- Switzerland, Italy, and Liechtenstein, yeah? And the Vatican. Yeah, okay. All right. Four All countries. Four. Wow, um, you want to talk to the, the Pope. That's awesome. Uh, so, you got to watch some, some World Cup there, I assume? Was that Did that provide any, any joy or laughter or anything? Um, well, of course, I, I was uh, in Italy, who didn't qualify either, uh, and uh, the Vatican and Liechtenstein did not qualify, um, but Switzerland did. I was in Switzerland for that game, um, and well, which, it was pretty Which game, the Switzerland-Sweden? <laughs> but there were... Sorry, against Sweden, so, yeah, and there yeah. were lots of, um, but there were lots of ads. I mean, they were really pumped about it. Everywhere you went, there were, like, flags hanging in places, and... Uh, you know, and, and um, promotions with the players and that kind of stuff. It's just that 
unlike the English, the Swiss didn't go out and vandalize an Ikea after, uh, after the match. So. <laughs> Did, um, <laughs> was there, were there any TV ads that were like some guy in a cowboy hat in a Volkswagen going, Hey, Switzerland, we're going to get on your bandwagon. We're no. we're going to cheer for you. Okay, I was trying to think of the op- opposite of their really stupid ad. That's <laughs> the main thing I'm looking forward to, the World Cup being done, is those stupid Volkswagen ads. Yeah, see, I haven't seen them. Oh, they're bad. It's been one of the uh, big uh, big advantages, I guess, to, to yeah. either being at work or being in another country during the World Cup so far. I think my favorite one is where they use the ones for Argentina, but they're actually like not Argentinian people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can tell by the accent as they're yelling at each other. I'm like, yeah, that that, that doesn't work. Wait, what is good that? job. What's the accent? I think I think I, it's not Argentinian for sure, uh, f- but uh, I thought they were uh, they were they were um, Mexican or like some of the South American that is in Argentina. You can totally okay. tell. But it was funny because we laughed at that. So okay. At my house, see, every time we saw that, we're like, ah, ha, ha, ha. I did see the uh, the Geico ad where the player s- uh, goes into a celebratory slide and then just slides yes. all over the field. That's a funny ad. I like that one. That is good. Yeah. That one was good. There's a couple that, that have been just good, just funny enough. And so, yeah. Well, um, we are, you know, I'm hoping to, I was just uh, messaging and trying to line up a interview with Ben Grossman again next week. He's a minority owner of Minnesota United, but mostly he's been in Russia for the last month because he works with Fox Sports. And so uh, assuming that his le- he's not going to go into a bunker and sleep from uh, a week or two, um, hopefully <clears throat> next week's podcast will we'll be talking to him because Fox has gotten a, a lot of, like s- I think, stupid flack, some of it well-deserved. I've really enjoyed the commentary. Um, which Which one? I think Derek Ray and Ali Wagner and um, okay, I like Ali, yeah. Stu Holden and who's uh, John Strong. I think those two have been good. I don't really like JP Delacamer, but I don't think he's been bad. Um, I think the in the in studio analysis, every time it cuts to them, there's like no. It looks like everyone hates each other. Like they like <laughs> the, the chemistry is not there. But anyway, that's not yeah. what I'm, we're, we're here to talk about. I do want to tell you a story because today I was in. Uh, the coffee shop right by my house, uh, meeting uh, um, uh, meeting with someone oh, at the for, Groundswell for the bar. Yeah, at Groundswell, and uh, I see Jeff Reuter walk in. So I, uh, when I'm done with my meeting, <laughs> pointing to me, oh boy, <laughs> I walk I walk over and I, I said I you know sat down with him and was chatting with him, and then like in walks Eric Miller. Uh, no way, Eric just, Miller. Yeah, just by just by chance, and so then the three of us sat down and and chatted about stuff. It wow. was very, it was kind of. Weird uh, coincidence. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. So anyway, we talked about the team. We talked about because that was funny. Because earlier this week, Eric Miller retweeted one of my tweets. So. Wow. Whoa. That's kind of the same thing. Kind of oh. like right. The internet is real life, you guys. I know. We did, we what? did talk about Eric and I did talk about how um, active his mom is on social media and how she's <laughs> always she's always like uh, I liking don't or retweeting. I don't think this is inappropriate to tell this story, but he's always like. She'll come to him and be like, "Did you hear that? Uh, you know the ex, you know like transfer rumors. Ex player uh, is is rumored to be going here." And he's like, "Where are you getting this? Are you like messaging Alexa <laughs> Lawless?" <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Props to parents. We, yeah, we need a battle media. between uh, Eric's mom and Christian's aunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
So we are going to, on this uh, podcast, we are going to talk. Uh, we've got uh, Minnesota United. We've got two games to talk about. We'll talk about the World Cup. We've got uh, other kind of bits and news that, that we'll get to now. And then we've got lots of Twitter questions. So I don't want to... Wanna... Speaking of Twitter questions, there, w- there was one Eric Miller-themed one that popped up. I thought it was good. Oh, um, okay. How an- uh, Brent Witt asks, how annoyed is Miller that we are lining up in a three-five-two? The yep. background there being... <laughs> That's the formation that they were playing in Colorado. Colorado, you know, yeah. Anthony Hudson, their coach, refused to play him in. You I know, think it's pretty funny. Yeah, you know what's what's funny is totally uh, separate of this, and like I'm uh, like not going to replay what the, our conversation with Eric. But I I asked him like, so you've you've played in the three five two? Where where have you played in it? And he's played like all over in the three five two as a center yeah. back as a as a wing back. Um, I think, uh, and then totally separate, just my thoughts. We didn't really talk about this question, obviously, with Eric or something. But um, uh, I think that there's, like, this thing that has, why I don't go to Reddit anymore is, like, there's just, like, someone will post an idea that, like, then two posts later becomes, like, accepted truth. Uh, there was, like, this thing where people were like, oh, well, that's why he left because he didn't fit the 352. Therefore, he can't do that. And it's like, no, like, Hudson just didn't wanted want his own guys in yeah. there and, and, like, I, I don't know, and then I mean, like, he, that became like accepted gospel that like he can't do this. Like, he played he played in a three five two in the last couple of games, so I mean it wasn't full game, but yeah. Yeah, and like he played in he's played there before, so he could play as a center back or as the wing back. Uh, certainly, I think he's I think he's he's best suited as a fullback, but um, I don't think he's he's annoyed. I don't think I think it's fine. I think he once he's fit, he's going to be on the pitch because he's one yeah. of the. He's one of the four best defenders out there. So yeah, that's, that's, that's out the thing. It's just make sure that he's fit. So yeah. Um, so let me let me just hit this this little bit of news before uh, before we we go to the break, and that, that's basically um, Minneapolis City uh, clinched the playoffs with an eight nothing win over Dakota Fusion. So they finished the NPSL North season uh, undefeated. Um, they're still undefeated in Open Cup and uh, the league. Uh, so, didn't, didn't Minneapolis City draw lacrosse? They did. How uh, can you yeah, beat R- Dakota eight yeah. zero and draw lacrosse? Yeah, you know, undefeated I, baby. I, I, you know, regardless, it's undefeated. What? But yeah, that that's it is kind of amazing to to <laughs> like draw the the the, t- the league whipping boy. Yeah, right. Like the like the yeah. I, I don't understand. <laughs> So now, now they're going to go into the this basically this the playoffs go. There's a playoff between Duluth FC, who are the other playoff uh, playoff uh, team, against Grand Rapids, I believe. I think that's this Wednesday, and then the twentieth is the semifinal, and the twenty first is the final. So they've got the semifinal and the final two day on, on the same weekend. And I think that's going to be in Ann Arbor. No one knows yet, but it's very unlikely that it's here because. Minneapolis City has the Osseo problem, uh, you know, of, of just hmm. uh, the, the problem that that place makes. Um, so anyway, congrats to Minneapolis City, congrats to Duluth, uh, and um, hopefully those guys go on. It's unsure if if uh, getting those playoff spots clinches U.S. Open Cup berth for uh, for those teams. In the past, it has, but U.S. Soccer like invents new rules every year, so very likely yeah. that means they'll be in the Open Cup next year, which I know for all of these teams is like the big goal. They yeah. want, they dream about having those uh, 
you know, dream runs. Well, well so. we saw we saw them play. The viejos son los trapos. Viejos son los trapos, and they were yeah, and they whipped them. Yeah, so. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then the the last news uh, is um, Romario Ibarra, Los Ibarras, uh, the the Ibarre, um, or as I'm calling them. So, uh, yeah, I'm calling them Romy and Miguel's high school reunion. Um, or just Ibarra Square. Come on, guys. <laughs> like, take a break. Take a moment to appreciate that joke. It's a pretty damn good joke. Nah. Okay. Alex? Damn. All right. <laughs> okay. Just, he's like, not even, I don't even know. So, uh, Romario Ibarra has been signed uh, and announced uh, today on Monday. So we will now have an Ibarra on the left uh, and an Ibarra on the right. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's exciting. He is a, uh, you know, young Ecuadorian fast winger. Uh, I think, you know, yeah, people talk, talk very highly of him. He came into the Ecuadorian national team toward the end of qualifiers. and Scored did well. twice. Yeah. His brother plays so. for America, which, I mean, he's not his brother, but still. Someone in his Which family. Means there's another, means there's another Ibarra out there that we can get. Yeah. Um, yep. Mythia full of Ibarras. That's and then a it dream. It looks very likely that this uh, Colombian striker, uh, Angelo Rodriguez, um, who's 29 year old, he plays for Deportes Tolima. It looks very likely that, that he's coming to Minnesota. He, you know, he's 29. He's not been prolific in his career, but his last, since 2016, he's been at Tolima. He scored 27 goals in 59 matches, which is not... Not too not, not Nothing. Um, he's 5'11", so he's not, at least not tiny. Um, but the main thing is, Christian needs, uh, needs someone actually pushing him for a spot. Yeah. Um, we need other options. You know, Toy... Certainly could be something, but right now he's not. He's not been effective as a sub. No. And so we and need. A lot. He's not fit either. So yeah. yeah. We need more defensive options. This signing does not say many good things about Dunlady's fitness yeah. and what the, and what the team expects from Dunlady's fitness in the long time, long term. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so. Uh, let's uh, let's take a break and we'll come back and we will talk uh, some more cup. Back on the 55-1 podcast, it's World Cup fever time. We're getting toward the end. This is the end. This is the last week. We'll talk about it next week, I guess. But Gosh. Um, we've had... Uh, Can we get this excited about the Gold Cup? No. <laughs> okay. No. Uh, no. We can get excited about the final, maybe. Maybe. Okay. Um, uh, we'll get excited about the Gold Cup game that's here. That, oh, that's... Yeah, that, yeah, will, yeah, that, that will be exciting. Um, so... Uh, and the final. I, I, I don't... Uh, you know, I actually, like... At this point in the 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 game, I'm kind of like skipping some games and like catching up. Plus, my family came back this week, so I had to like, you know, no longer be a uh, drunk bachelor. Um, but uh, I mean, the biggest game this week was Belgium to Brazil one. Um, I, I don't know if it was a surprise, but it was certainly uh, Brazil were favored. Um, I don't know if either of you have, have, have thoughts on this game, or you know, if Eric were here, we could, we could uh, poke the bear. We, I, yeah, I could, Make I, him I, cry. I could try to do my Eric impersonation or something. But uh, 
Just do all the sounds. Boom, boom, zap, 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 boom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll just do my, my <laughs> fake uh, Portuguese. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Belgium got lucky. They had an own goal from a corner um, off of Ferdinandino's arm. Uh, De Bruyne gets a, a beautiful counterattack goal. Um, and then it was Brazil from then on. Like, Brazil had 58 chances or whatever. Um it was Brazil from the opening whistle. I mean, they they controlled the game from the start. They just got punched in the face a couple times early on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess so. The second half, though, in particular, was just one-way traffic. Yep. Um, and, it, and it just, like, they looked snake bit. Um, Coutinho eventually puts that beautiful ball into um, Renato Augusto. Um, Coutinho has to be one of the top three players of the tournament, right? Am I... Was he the I mean, one? He was, who, was he the one who had that big miss though for Brazil? Or was uh, I, I can't remember. I don't. Open, big open shot at the top of the box, and they put it in like the row, oh. the row Z. I can't remember if that was him or not. Hmm. Uh, you know this. I, this, I can't remember. Yeah. I think like the take on this game, right, is that if if, if Belgium were not better than Brazil, but if Belgium were going to win the game, this is how they had to do it. They had to. Yeah. Be stout in defense, which I mean, they have extremely talented defenders: Vertonghen and Adeverald, and um, the third one who I can't remember right now. Oh, Company, of course. Um, yeah, you know, and, and then they hit on the counter, and and Lukaku has for years and years and years been a really underrated forward. I think he's finally getting his due because his hold-up play has been so good. De Bruyne, ha- I mean, Hazard. Every time that he got the ball, it was impossible to get it off him. They had to foul him yeah. to, to break up his dribbles. I mean, that was... Belgium played individually really well, and they, they played like they knew that they were the worst team, which they were. They yeah. were pragmatic and smart. And, and that's one of those games where, like, if you're Belgium, yeah, you were lucky, but you feel like you deserve the win because you played... The, the game plan that you intended to play and you executed right. it very well you know and would you, would you that's say how it would you out. say uh, how does it compare to remember Belgium versus the US um, and like Thibaut Courtois in this game who I thought was the man of the match um, he was Tim Howard yeah. stood on his head that day there's that great gift that well, someone made that is Tim Howard simultaneously yeah. making all was it 20 saves? It was something 16, crazy like 20. 16. Courtois um, had a be- much better game than Howard. I mean, Howard had a good game, but every shot was at him in that game. There was maybe one or two saves that were challenging in that game, and it was m- impressive mainly because of its volume. Courtois yeah. was... I mean, he, he made several really exceptional saves you know, that were just incredible in and of their own merits. Um, and 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 he's but, been very good this entire tournament. Um, if if uh, if Wando scores that goal, and I know I've, yeah. I've entered weird alt history now. Uh, if Wando scores that goal, do we would we say similar things about the U.S. or would would we say that the U.S. I, was lucky to to beat Belgium then, whereas we don't think Belgium was lucky they. They, they actually had a good game plan against Brazil. Well, that game is sort of fading a little bit in my memory, but I, I, yeah. my memory of it is that the U.S. played that game very well. Um, I mean, I don't think there was anyone who thought that the U.S. were a better team than Belgium. 
It was just in the same way. I mean, I think that you're making the right parallel. It's, I, and, I, and I look back on, let's say, um, Minnesota against Orlando earlier this year, when Minnesota were on the road, our only away win of the year. But we came in and we played the type of game that you have to play to get a result in that situation. And, you know, I think that Belgium early in the tournament in the group showed that they could play a dominating brand of soccer. But now they are, you know, a little bit in over their heads in terms of playing, you know, with the ball and the turf and everything. But they they know that they can't, they have this, this other gear that they can go to where they can play this ruthless counterattacking style and they are good at it. You know, they have the talent in De Bruyne and Hazard and Lukaku to make it work. So let, let's, uh, the other games were England 2, Sweden nothing, Croatia uh, and Russia 2-2, two, two, Croatia goes through on PKs, and then France 2, Uruguay nothing. Um, anyone, any of those games, anyone have any comments about? Or I didn't even watch Croatia, Russia, and Sounds like I made a good life decision there. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. I don't know. We 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 watched the Uruguay game, um, and it was just um, without Cavani. It, it's a whole different team, and um, yeah, they had some chances, but um, just how demoralizing is like as a sub substitute you you are for Uruguay when you're coming in right after the second goal. And it's all about trying to be uphill. So I, I mean, they played them. France played them how they, how they, how they should be played. And so they took advantage of their situations. And Uruguay was just not, not the Uruguay that we've seen. And and uh, I, I specifically knew that uh, a, a certain uh, Minnesota football show uh, host was, yeah. was was not was was was, was sobbing up yeah. and drinking away his sorrows for that one. But. Uh, um, yeah, no, I th- I thought it was I thought it was I mean it, the the most the better team won in that sense. Yeah. yeah so. so people are talking about France as if they are uh, not impressive at this point, but at this point, um, France have have had the kind of I think probably toughest road. They've had the most tough games: Denmark, Peru, uh, Uruguay. Argentina, you yeah. Know, even if Argentina are struggling, you know all these things like yeah. that's that's tougher than anyone else getting getting to this stage. Uh, you know, obviously Croatia beat Argentina, but I, I don't. know. It's certainly tougher than England. Uh, yeah. England so, have had yeah. the easiest path. Yeah. Belgium, obviously, Belgium had probably the best so, win of any of these because Brazil, I think. Could have be, gone on and, and won the whole thing. I think I think, I think has I, the toughest road. I think it's. Yeah, I think okay. that's fair to say. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, as aside, Panama was a pushover, but I think Tunisia was a decent team. I think they beat England in the groups. I think. I think Japan got underrated by a lot of people. They were that's true. Very yeah, with it. Were... in Belgium. You know, uh, with all these teams, right? You you can choose which story to tell. So, yes, Belgium went down 0-2 to Japan, but they showed a lot of courage and um, resilience in bouncing back to win that game. And and then they showed, you know, even more to beat Brazil. And then you can, and and, and I say this as someone who picked France before the tournament and, and, and thinks that this is maybe the most talented roster at the World Cup since 
you know, Brazil 20, 2002 maybe. I think yeah. more talented than Spain. But wow. you can debate it. But, you know, you look at France and they beat Uruguay without Cavani. You know, they, they beat yeah. a, an Argentina team that was in shambles. You know, they beat Ar- Australia by one off a penalty. They beat Peru by one. They tied Denmark 0-0. I, you know... Fair enough. You can... You can I don't think France have been challenged in any of these games, to be honest. But the margins of victory are, have not been stunning from them, you know. So, so I think that you can, if you want to support a certain narrative, you can find evidence for it. Um, yeah. Well, I, I guess the, the one thing we I think would agree is that the France-Belgium game has like it, it has the feel of the final in this tournament. Yeah. Um, you know, anything that, can happen, that, but those are the two best teams. Yeah, that game is on Tuesday. The the Croatia England game is on Wednesday. Um, you know, I do think there's a lot of the the. I'm warming up to England in general. Uh, I, I Why? Think it's, I think it's bad to uh, to <laughs> to cheer against them just because uh, uh, because the media and some of the fans are annoying. But because uh, there's lots of I know lots of English uh, folk who I'm, I would be very excited for them to win. Uh, but uh, but England have to beat good teams, and Croatia are still just a good team, right? I, I, I yeah. think traditionally you would say only France are the great team here, right? Um, They're the only uh, favorite left. But but maybe that's the great part about this uh, this World Cup. I was coming into this World Cup thinking there's six, basically six or seven elite teams in the world, and everyone else is. It's the difference between B plus and B minus, you yeah. know. And then there's some C's who get to the World Cup, but um, but in, in the end, it, it turns out like really there's like just no one's really A anymore. It's just lots of A minuses and B plus, and and so that that kind of makes for um, far more exciting games. I mean, I don't I don't think anyone wants to see anyone waltz through the uh, the World Cup, and so it's if, been exciting. If France wins, I think we are going to forget. You know the the margins of victory kind of thing, and we're going to remember mm-hmm. this team as one of the most stacked teams. I mean, you know, I, I say it all the time. I've said it before, but the the team of French players who did not make this roster is a World Cup dark horse. You know, right? Like, <laughs> it's, they get yeah. out of their group easily, and you know, probably make the quarterfinals. You know, yeah. And you're thinking about people who are not here, like you know, Kingsley Coman and. You know, obviously Benzema. Nope. You, know, you can go on and on and on, but I, I, I think that I think that they'll. You know, ultimately everyone always just remembers basically who made the final and especially the right. winner. And yeah. I, I think that this France team has a shot at immortality. But yeah, you know, I think that what a story would be if Croatia somehow made it. Well, you know, how annoying, but also what a story would it be if England won. Um, if the Belgium if, too, yeah. If Belgium, Belgium wins the World Croatia Cup getting before a new the Dutch, team to win. I mean, oh. if so Belgium win the World uh, Cup before the Dutch, the Dutch should just yeah. un, like undo the dikes and you know give up the country. <laughs> just drown themselves. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. man. Well, England, oh. England has has will have a will have a hard time with Croatia just for the the midfield play and the yeah. midfield pressure. I yeah. don't think that they, whenever someone neutralize that midfield for them they they, they they seem to struggle a bit so that's yeah. going to be interesting to see um, but I mean Croatia is, is going off like almost like little rest so yeah. 
that would be an issue time. as well. No, it's, it has been. It's, it's, it's been one of, the, one of the best that I've seen in a while. So, so um, I'm sure I'll just say, to talk about. this Sunday, the World Cup final, no matter who it is, it'll be at Townhouse Bar. I'll be opening up the bar. Uh, we still don't have an official closing date when I take over the bar, but it should probably be by the end of July. Um, and then there will be times... Uh, Eric Miller says his mom is going to come watch games there, and so you can come <laughs> cheer with uh, Sue Miller. Um, will, will Sue be there for the final? Uh, I don't know. I'll invite. I'll invite them. Uh, so anyway, uh, this this coming Sunday, uh, if it's uh, no matter who it is, I'll I'll get some croissants. We have good coffee, beer, and Bloody Marys, oh, etc. Are, are you getting them from Chungnam? Yeah. Oh yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, and then if it's like England, I'll get some Pim's Cup or something like that. I, I'll try scones. to find some one special drink. Uh, sc- oh, yeah, I could get some scones. Or we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Moral of the story is come check it out. It's been a blast so far. It's really great like uh, seeing soccer fans who kind of don't know each other just end up chatting there and just sitting, chatting, and talking I think about the best thing is just after the game yeah. is over and yeah. when people just kind of congregate and either sections of the bar and yeah. people are just talking about the game or other stuff. I think that's probably my favorite thing yeah. besides yelling at the goals and yeah. talking soccer with other people about course, strategy and last, stuff like that. Last weekend, we screwed up the, uh, the... We had to watch the England game for the first 10 minutes without sound because I still don't own the bar, so there's like weird quirks about it. Quirky. Anyway, it worked out. People were very generous. Uh, okay, let's take a break. I'll come back. It's Minnesota United time. Back on the fifty-five-one podcast, Rodrigo, Alex, and Wes are here, and um, we have two games to talk about: Minnesota United four, Toronto three, and then Houston three, Minnesota United zero. The uh, uh, we can start with the negative, which is that six goals shipped in a week. We can start with the positive, which is uh, score four, <laughs> scoring four. Uh, we were on a we were on a, uh, a drought for several games. Yeah. Um, and uh, we beat the last year's the the best team in MLS history. First hat trick in MLS history uh, for yep. a club. Darwin, so let's start with the positive. Darwin Quintero against Toronto scores a hat trick of Golazos in the the ninth minute. Uh, I was going to watch this game from home because my family had just just returned the day before, and I was going to try to be a good father and husband, and then. Uh, I couldn't get the game on my laptop, so I just jumped on the train, got there in the 20th minute, and it was 2 nothing. Oh, uh, so, you were all there. Uh, anyway, ninth minute, Darwin Quintero makes a run and does a Travella, which we all now know because uh, Ricardo Quaresma uh, made it popular again with the, the, the long distance outside of the boot that kind of curls to the far post. Mm-hmm. Uh, the defenders were just backing up, uh, which is basically... All those guys did all night. <laughs> they were so so bad. Was, I, I I I didn't know Toronto would be this bad, but I was like I was, in, I was just impressed on how they the lack of, of pressuring outside the box was, and so yeah, I mean, what, what is the one thing that we've been preaching for? At least I have been Quintero to do is shoot the ball, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and 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 what a game to to finally start. 
start doing that. And props to Christian Ramirez who did the overlapping run, forcing him to shoot the ball. Yeah. Because he could he, he easily could have seen gun to the middle, and I saw him as I was watching him. He was thinking about it. it looked like he was thinking about it. He said, "No, I'm just gonna go over overlapping run. So either he passes yeah. to me or he shoots." And yeah. Nice goal. Yeah. Yeah. Christian has not been firing on all cylinders, but there were a couple times in there he he had a really good. Uh, turn and pass long distance to Quintero. He's doing some of those things well that help the attack still go, but you know, there's there's more that we should see. It's like that. with Christian, just before we talk about Quintero, like, he started the season injured, right? And it just, I can see his mind working a lot of times, and like, it doesn't seem like he's fully able to do what he wants to do. You know, I think that his yeah passing and his vision has been very good i think that you can see the decisions he's trying to make with his you know shots and 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 just the decisions he makes in 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 the game has been pretty good um he's been making runs he's been holding the ball up well it's just there's something he doesn't he's something bothering him or i don't know what it is but it's a little frustrating to watch yeah it it is in a sense but then at the same time i mean he goes from being the main main focus, in, at least offense-wise, to feed him the ball to having Quintero be the main focus to yeah. to have him feed the ball. So that so so that changes the schematics of, of, of the strategy of what happens right now. Now everybody's trying to get Quintero the ball because he's the one that will produce opportunities, uh, and so so Christian has had to play a secondary role, you know, create opportunities in a sense by doing these overlapping runs or, or forcing him to, and forcing he, to, to take action. So. And if we can get Heath, you know, Heath obviously wants to move back to his four-two-three-one. Uh, if the double Ibarra works, then, uh, you know, the attack part of, of the situation could get back to, to normal where you actually can play with four attacking players who you really want out there, right? Right was not working with Gomez there. Um, and and then you have, you know, Quintero is obviously the focal point there, but if all of them are dangerous, then, you know, then the, the load that Miguel, that Christian, that, they, you know, that uh, Romy uh, has to do are, 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 like, much, much easier because they just have to... Uh, they have to strike when everyone's paying attention right. to Darwin. So right, and then, I mean the thing is when you you get excited when like Schuler shoots, then you know you're having yeah. somewhat of an issue. Who's who's trying to take those shots? I mean Miguel wants to take those shots. We know he he's willing to do that. Uh, Christian is when he gets a chance. I mean Cantero until this past game where yeah. was was not doing so, and uh, Gomez just shoots, but yeah. doesn't really mean if it's on target most of the yeah. time. So yeah, I love that Lampson uh, apparently. Uh, Interjected in Darwin Quintero's post-game interview and uh, asked if he wanted to apologize to uh, <laughs> to Clint Irwin. Uh, so in the twelfth minute, uh, um, uh, you know Ibarra is playing right wing back, but he's basically up in a wing, almost forward position. When there's a counter that just gets not even a counter, just a, a sprung attack, just laps in defense. T- yeah, terrible defending. And then uh, he gets through the the shot that he makes is kind of weirdly scuffed, but. Because he's cutting it back across the. Yeah, body. It's, it's a soft touch, but, but I mean, who find who who finds him? Who finds him? You know who finds him? Who finds him? Cabo. Oh. So as as Cabo playing in this new in this three five two playing as not uh, yeah. the, the the main center back as a, as a wing, um, sees sees him sees that pocket and just feeds him the ball. So I mean, yeah. I thought that was 
that was interesting. I mean, we can deal more into the the formation, but having I, I think having him out in the wing uh, clears his mind of not having to deal so much with the defensive aspect of it. It's just having to be able yeah. to push up more and and, and and have the creativity that he has in, in in the Costa Rica national team. Though we didn't see too much of that either. So. Uh, to finish out the first half, 42nd minute, Ibsen's chasing back to collect the ball in the box. Takes a really heavy touch. The ball just falls to... I forget who the guy is. Um, and he just finishes it. I, I mean, it was... Uh, you know, just, just like in the second minute of stoppage time in, against Houston, Ibsen throws up his hand for offside. Doesn't even follow Bonet Garcia. Then Bonet Garcia like kind of falls over the ball. The ball's there, so Ibsen goes and slide tackles it right to the foot of uh, Elise, who finishes it. Uh, I mean, two just absolute blunders in our own box. Uh, I, I hate to say this, but. Ibsen, Ibsen. Do you really hate to say it? I mean, yeah, because I, 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 I love Ibsen, man. I, I know, but I, he hasn't. He hasn't. He's been, been bad all he's season. He's been bad. Uh, he had a couple. Season, those so. first few games were good, but um, he's been really bad the last five games, and uh, it's it's time. Kurt, uh, Kurt Warner. Every time I do that, Colin Warner has been decent. <laughs> Schuler's been better. I think Maximiano is a very good player who uh, needs time. And uh, you've got Colin Martin, who I think has been hit hot and cold this season. Uh, you've got other guys out there. And if you've got enough attacking players out there where you no longer need the Ibsen magic, you just need someone to kind of help shuttle the ball forward, so Martin then um, then you don't you, you can't put him out there. Can't put Ibsen out there. Yeah, I mean, if, if all three of the goals that happened in that game, you could see fault in Ibsen, at least for... Two out of the three. In the, we're talking Toronto. Yeah. Back, yeah. Yeah, back in Toronto. I think, and then it's just, it's just so unfortunate to to have someone who's just, yeah, not playing up to their par. So this is, I mean, this week where the um, his second and third assist to the opposition, um, because uh, if you remember, he he uh, he was culpable on that uh, Chicago fire goal early in the season as well. I am. Um, blank out anything in the past so it's it's helpful it's helpful as a coping mechanism um so uh in the second half 52nd and 57th minute is where Quintero uh seals his uh uh brace and then hat trick um both of them are chipping the keeper yeah he just uh, drives I, I, that ball I don't know if there's an easy way to pick which one uh, mine I think was the third one because it's just so far out and he just the I think it's Hagland at this point. One of the one of the center backs just keeps on backing up, and and then there's the shot that you can see in the highlight clip right from behind Quintero, and you can just see exactly what he sees. And it's just I'm just gonna put it over, like you're backing me up and giving me all this space. And uh, oh, it's, both of them were just just fantastic. Yeah, the third one was 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 a beauty. To see draw the ball over and then and then goalie just try it to do a courtesy stretch. Yeah. To see if he could even get close to it. He got so. it. He did get fingers on it, but yeah, still. Um, and then you know at that point it is four one and uh, we're you know cruising and uh, guess what happens? Uh, you know long distance Schuler kind of gets lost in the mix, um, pulled off onto a different guy. Javinko shoots from distance, uh, and then in stoppage time. 
there was one almost goal where the cross comes in and Brent Coleman is just like walking with his defender and just lets his guy go. It, thankfully, Shuttleworth made a, a point blank save, um, and then uh, immediately, you know, seconds later, Calvo is marking Jordan Hamilton, and the cross comes in the exact same thing, and uh, Calvo's in front of him, and then basically like just like. Says, oh no, oh no! After you, and like sets the guy's table, you know, yeah. clears it off, brings out the little card to bring the crumbs off of the table, right. sets the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, uh, do you want, uh, you know, water with, uh, you know, seltzer water, or do you want, uh, you know? And then he, you know, uh, Jordan Hamilton, obviously, because he's in Toronto, wants wants mineral water, and so he pours it, and then scores a goal. <laughs> so, that's four three. Lessons learned. Any anything other than Quintero can be a, a beast on his day, and Toronto we still can't defend. Just a bizarre, inexplicable tire fire. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. I mean, Bradley was very ineffective in that game. Well, let's talk about Michael Bradley. So I can wait. Hold on. This. Oh, is you want to get into this? You want to hear it? This uh, is me making my wanker gestures to everyone <laughs> on the internet. Uh, anyway, just kidding. I mean, we're not going to do it. Um, yeah, Bradley was. Yeah, not very good. Just like uh, he did, uh, he did sprint out, out race uh, Ibarra a couple times, but the whole team just looks um, dejected. They just uh, there's no spirit in them. The, the same there's way, no urgency. In it's pretty team. crazy for a team as deep as Toronto that like a couple in, like losing Drew Moore in the defense and, and Mavinga and the defense is gone. Like losing Altador and they don't have an attack anymore. I mean, these yeah, these are key players. But if you had if you had told me about these injuries before the season, I would have said, oh, you know, maybe it makes them not able to win the supporter shield. But this team is so deep, they have the pieces to put it together. And 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 part of that is the story of these injuries. Part of that probably reflects poorly on Greg Vanny. Part of it is. That their you know their transfer hasn't been so successful this season. They got that guy Agur uh, Akeche from from Spain, and he's now back to Spain because he just couldn't he couldn't handle it. I don't know. You know, even yeah, the I mean, even they, the smartest best teams in MLS screw up sometimes. Parity is a parity is a real thing. Yeah, and it, it just the same way I've kind of criticized our team for just looking like they have no motivation at times, like they're. Um, like you know, I, I think basically the the last uh, last bit of the Toronto game, um, the uh, uh, the the Colorado game, uh, you know, d- throughout this season, throughout last season as well. There's just times where you're like, uh, uh, why why can't anyone get you guys off, the, uh, off off your asses here? Um, <laughs> And I know that that's that's like easier said than done. Getting people to to be have urgency and play hard all the time is not easy, and especially when you know it's been a rough year for Toronto, um, uh, losing in the the CCL final and then losing all these players. But man, they they do look abject. They looked the same way um, that first uh, half against Colorado, where Schiefer Decker, I think it was you, who was just like this. This is the worst soccer team I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Uh, and then, then we lost to the worst soccer team you've ever <laughs> seen in your life. So yeah. Transitive property. Um, 
Let me move to Houston 3, Minnesota United 0. I took uh, the night off and hung out with some friends. and That was a good decision. Guys, you got you to gotta practice self-care out there. Just uh, home games, I'm going to be there all the time. I, I, I'm loving it. But some away games, you just need to need to be okay. Alex Corstead had a great tweet after this game where he was like, uh, I went to like St. Paul Jazz Fest. I had a great time. <laughs> Don't don't do this to yourselves, people. It was something, you know, it was something yeah. like that. It's like you gotta have other Practice interests. Self care. Yep. Um, Alex, did you watch this game? I did watch this game. Okay. Yeah. You, and, I, you and Rodrigo I kind can of, lead the I, way. I kind of watched it in the way that someone who's just flown across the Atlantic and is trying to get back on Eastern time can, like, yeah. you know, watch something <laughs> late at night. Um, it, it was just, it was a really. It was there was not a lot in the game to hold my interest, uh, and um, uh, and I was tired. So, Rodrigo, what 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 can you tell us about this game? Do you want to relive any of it? Or uh, my kids were yelling at the TV a lot. Okay, as they should be, because uh, it was just I, I don't know if it's just like there's so many like questions like you know is it is it playing a game during the midweek that we can't do anymore. Uh, is it just uh, my kids were yelling at why are you starting uh, three five two? Why are you not starting the same people that you were starting before? Yeah. I mean, it was like, and then when, and then I think uh, my oldest Isabella, when Heath came in, just pretty much threw the pillows up and just walked yeah. So away. Harrison Heath came yeah. in. Uh, uh, Tyrone Muir started as a center back. Uh, yeah, I don't rather I don't than Olmsberg or yeah. Miller or Miller um, or, or like or anybody else. The one thing is, I mean, I mean, Mears Mears can put a foot on the ball, but Mears cannot outrun or out dribble anybody in the in the attacking last third, right? He can't do that, right? He can't do that. I mean, and and you you need someone who's willing to be able to at least get past that defender and be able to get across the cross. But he but he hasn't that been was, able to to produce that way. So that was. Um, I mean that was the thing. I I had kind of given up on this game before it started because of that lineup selection. I mean, you're a better person than I am. What? What? What's the point? <laughs> We've got this this young, promising center back who we drafted, yep. or we have this preach, young fullback preach, preach. who can also play center back. You know, and here's this game that listen, we're not likely to win. It's Coming off of a midweek game, our you know our one of our center backs is is cannot play because he's suspended. What if we're not going to play? If we're not going to give Omsberg a shot in that game, if we're at the very least not going to give Miller, you know that that start. What are we doing? Are, is, yeah, you is, is about Omsberg, this in your piece, you know, is Omsberg really so bad that? Tyrone Mears deputized as a center back is a better option than him? Does Heath really think that poorly of Omsberg's future in the league? I mean, that's depressing. Well, and Omsberg uh, was was good against Toronto. I mean, there was no... I can't... I, I, nothing stood out to me really good or bad. He was just kind of... He no, he was... He, 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 I mean, there was, there was some issues in where, like, his passing wasn't on point, but that's okay. something that you'd get with a rookie, right? I mean, I I, I think... I, I just don't see how Heath has any confidence in any rookie, really. I mean, he right. just does, doesn't see them... Doesn't doesn't see them a chance of it. And, and like, you pointed out, I mean... I mean, right now, Olmsberg is, is, of course, better than, than Mears. Miller is better than Mears. 
why wouldn't when we put in a at least a, a roster out there that at least could compete and have some sort of um, what's the word chemistry, right? I mean, because this this I this was just a lackluster uh, performance and just uh, I, I mean I mean Boxer was 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 uh, center back, right? I mean he was he was the middle. I mean you you. Of all people, you know, Coleman had done a good job back then in three five two. You would expect from a successful, uh, at least a, somewhat successful. I mean, I mean, I thought the three five two that played against Toronto was was interesting, and I thought the defense did you know um, held somewhat of their own, and it was and it was it was working. That that would be the same model that you would prefer to the next game. But I don't know. I mean, with with Heath, you 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 totally don't know what's going on. There's no consistency whatsoever in a roster or roster changes or or strategy for that matter. So the 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 point that I made in my piece is, and I just want to reiterate here, is that I I don't sort of I like what are we doing? Like I don't quite you know I feel like Taylor Twelman, right? Like what are we doing? Like if there's been a lot of talk about this quote unquote three year plan, you know, a long term plan. I mean, obviously if team like Minnesota, one of the ways that we have to be successful, given the, you know, the, the, the market that the team is in, is that the team has to develop youth players, whether they get them in the draft or whether they're homegrowns, whatever. They have to be developed. We, ha- we have to be a team that does that because we are not going to be going out and buying all of our top talent from everywhere else. So, that to me, you have a three-year plan. That's got to be a part of it, right? And at the same time, we're making moves like playing mirrors, which seem purely like desperation to try to get a result, you know. And so you're putting in all your veterans because, in, in the same way that you know the U.S. kind of went about World Cup qualifying, and in in, you know where, where we couldn't. The situation was sort of we viewed the situation as dire, so we had we couldn't take risks with the young guys, and ultimately, you know, the greatest risk of all is not taking one, right? And and we didn't lay any groundwork for young players to be be a part of the team. And I and I and I look at this Minnesota team, and I'm like, the Mir's decision to me was baffling. I, uh, why also, you know, Ibsen and Warner when we have uh, Maximiliano and 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 Martin, who are both 23 years old. I mean. Are we building for the long term, or are we like going all out on a fringe playoff dream this year? I can't really tell. I don't understand what the plan is. That's what yeah, I want to know. What's the plan? I, I could I, I reiterate the thing about Maximiano, where it's just like you you have an international spot and three hundred thousand dollars going to this guy. What are you doing there? Why why are you doing that? Like, uh, you know, you need to give him time to bet in uh, I know that he gives up lot, gets lots of cards but that's what international players do when they're trying to get get the speed of MLS um, and so yeah I mean yeah. certainly we don't want Heath to be throwing away games by like oh let's just let's start Carter Manley and Wyatt Olmsberg and Mason Toy and Mason Toy's younger brother Doug who's 13 um <laughs> But you do want Let's just to say that you do want to, you do want to see like longer term choices being made, and I, I totally agree with you that Tyrone Mears starting that game. Tyrone Mears is not a bad player, no. But Tyrone Mears I'm sure he's is a, a great is person. A sh- is a short term choice. 
it's I he's think not gonna that be on we the can get this year. result here. And yeah. yeah, he's not going to be on the team next year. And it's also a choice that didn't pan out in the least. Right. Um, right. And this and, is this. And all, and, sorry. Go. Go ahead. No, I'm just. I was going to say, Mears is 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 a decent player, but specifically if you have someone who's going to be on the wings that is going to. Um, Give into the the attack. You need someone who's 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 willing to produce, or who's willing. And unfortunately, Mears cannot do that. I mean, and that's that's the thing that I find frustrating too. Is there's no there's no consistency whatsoever. We've been trying to find the consistency for this team. What works, what doesn't work. We've gone from different formations, and when we find something that seems to be working, at least with the players that we have due to injury. We don't see the replication of that, and there you go. Then you know it feels like it's just a throwaway play. That's the chance, you know. I mean, you should be you should be starting everybody so, else, you know. Yeah. So, I, I think I think I've been sort of arguing uh, and accepting at face value the hypothetical that like that just just sort of agreeing for the sake of argument that playing mirrors in that position was the sort of win-now move in the first place. I'm not even sure that's true. I mean, let's remember that a back line of Mark Birch, Wyatt Omsberg, Brent Coleman, and Carter Manley conceded three goals at Red Bull Arena. So if we conceded three goals to Houston, I mean, I don't know. Don't tell me that this back line was any better than that, you know, than that one. This, this one conceded the same amount of goals to, I think, a worse team. I, it's like, and, and two of them, by the way, were, were set piece goals, pure iron skillet yeah. goals, and right. um, and you know in the in the comments after the game, it's like you know Shuttleworth saying like, hey, we can practice this all we want, but everyone's got to do it at the end of the day. But no, like it, these goals, the goals, early goals every game, uh, set piece goals, those are things that you that uh if they keep happening, then that is yeah. a coaching problem. And there's been right? no like, accountability. Like, I, I, you know, maybe if, if it, like, earlier in the season, Calvo was consistently making really bad mistakes. You know, in the past couple games, Ibsen's been making really bad mistakes. You know, Calvo keeps getting dunked on in set pieces. Boxall is not winning the headers he needs to be winning for a guy of his stature. Coleman, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, got bailed out by Shuttleworth in the Toronto game. You know, it, 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 like maybe why, why are you know why why is it so impossible to bench a player for a couple games to send a message? You know, that's what every other team else in the world does, and it feels like we have these certain guys who are immune. I felt this, you know, as as everyone knows, I felt the same way about Molino last year. And I, I felt the same way about Calvo and Ibsen this year. It's, yeah. I just don't understand. I mean, Adrian Heath is like, he is coaching this team so conservatively. And it's like, ah, it's hard to see how this represents growth. It's supposed to lead to growth in the long term. It's just, right. there's so year many two. frustration points for me at this point because we are seeing the same things happening. And as I pointed out in my article, our points per game this year are lower than they were last year. Our goals well, per game that we're scoring is lower than last year. The only thing that is better than last year is the goals conceded, and that is very, very close. We are on track to get just, I think, one or two 
fewer goals conceded than last year, which again set a record. Yeah. So uh, I'll, we'll call time on this, but you know Minnesota is at home to Real Salt Lake uh, this weekend. I have a sneaking suspicion we'll see a return to the four two three one. We'll see the double Ibarra. Um, and who knows who who those two central midfielders will be? I don't know if we're going to see, see the other. Bar this week. Yeah, I don't think he's even there. Is he a double bar this game? I don't. Oh, I think so. Is the new bar so. there? Heath Heath had a quote that Meg Ryan had this had in the strip oh. that indicated to me that Heath had some quote that was like, "I can't wait to get to work with him," which uh, made me think that he's not even there yet. Then again, that has yeah. not stopped the team from playing players in the past, but. No, um, no, like who just I mean, arrived? I mean, obviously yeah, they have yeah. to be physically present to play, but you know. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Let's let's call time. We'll come back and it's Twitter question. All right. Cut that part, Wes. <laughs> I think yeah. we just repeated ourselves. Yeah, we did. All right, here we are, 55-1 podcast. We've got Twitter questions. Uh, uh, Let's start with this. Richard Ireland sent in an email. He says, in the upcoming transfer window, who do we have of any value that other teams would want and are willing to let, that we are willing to let go? We've so little depth, I'm not sure who we would let go. Molino, Dunlady. Well, they're not healthy, so. Yeah, they're not healthy, right. Um, I mean, Boxall, Calvo. uh, Alexi Gomez. Maybe someone wants Lexi Gomez. Flamengo in, in Brazil. Let's see if Colorado uh, is willing to trade uh, maybe Axel Schuberg or someone. Uh, I mean, basically, you've got. Uh, would you let Would you let Miguel going go if he's playing at this level? No. Um, would you let Christian go? Uh, you don't. No. The problem is you don't have depth to unless no. you have two strikers lined up, and who knows if Rodriguez will turn out. You just don't have anyone who. You've got depth at midfield, but all of them are play, bit players. You know that none of them are. Are you not going to get value for yeah, any of those? Yeah, so, so. No. I, I don't know. I don't know who who we have that that teams would want at this point. Um, Robert the Red says, uh, "At what point should Minnesota United admit defeat and just start playing all the young guys, Toy, Almsberg, Manley, regularly to give them experience for next season?" Well, it's not going to happen because it didn't happen last year. I mean, I remember like it was like a 1% chance of making the playoffs, and there were articles in the Pioneer Press and the Star Tribune about how the team wasn't saying no yet, you know, and it's like, okay, come on. I also think, I mean, not, you shouldn't just play young players to play them. I mean, I, I'm advocate, you know, I'm mad that Omsberg didn't start because I think Omsberg's good, not just because he's young. Um, like Manley is an example, for example. I think Manley has gotten a lot of opportunities this season, and I was a big fan of his um, for the draft, but I would I have to say that I've been disappointed. I don't think he has shown himself to be a consistent performer at this level, and uh, he, hasn't, he hasn't grown in the way that I would have hoped. So does he need to play every week? Mm, no, I don't think so. But, um, but I would like to see more opportunities for Omsberg, especially given... How bad our defense has been. United Loon says, "How does the team get forwards more involved in the game?" Rodrigo. 
Right. Okay, next question. Mm, yeah, great. <laughs> All right, Garth Carlberg says, uh, we lost 3 nothing, and Bobby was man of the match. If it's not goalkeeper, what's the foremost cause of our defensive woes? If you could only do one thing, how do you fix it, Rod- Rodrigo? I'll still, you got to answer something. Um, how do I fix it? Well, Whether it's transfer, formation, I don't know. Different player. Oh, really? Okay. Whatever, yeah. you get one thing, you get to choose it, and that will be the single s- silver bullet that will fix our defensive woes. I, I get Luis Advincula. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, right. That, I, I guess I should have said realistic silver bullet, yes. but. Hey, you like, said anything, all right? You just threw it in my face, so I was like, yeah. I went with it. So, yeah. Sign Diego Godin. Problem solved. Yeah, there you go. Um, Problem solved. I don't know. The Toronto thing has me, the, like, Drew Moore's absence with Toronto and the effect on that team has me thinking that, like, a real leader in the back might be someone, like, something that we're missing. I think, Wes, you've made that point in the past, but. Um, maybe that's the answer. But there are like so many things. We keep losing headers. Like you know, I don't know. You know, we keep defensive midfield kept exposing the back line. There's there are gazillion answers to this question. Tom Riddall asks, why are we wasting an international spot on Eko Wundi? That is um, a good question. Ian Fuller may not be a great judge of talent. <laughs> yeah, I, that one is baffling. I, I wonder if we're going to see him in this Saprisa friendly, but. There's Maybe. no way you could. Pay we should we game. should play the game. What is the starting eleven for the Supriza family? No. right? <laughs> that's, that's, that is not good. Yeah. <laughs> Eric Triggs, uh, Tyrone says, will start that game. Yeah. What? Um, why is it so hard to find stable, consistent, hundred minute a match defensive talent backline or six? Is it similar to have strong to, to having a strong, consistent left-handed pitcher in baseball? Um, it's not hard. It's just hard for us. Uh, Other I will, teams seem I will to say, make it happen. Uh, I will say, in the market right now, it is. In, it, this is not just talking to people at Minnesota United. Um, you, I've I've heard this from several uh, coaches where it's it is very hard to find really good center backs and really good number sixes. Although that, actually, that is, that is tough. But number center backs in particular. This is this is also a, a part of the asymmetry of MLS, where you have salary caps, and so there's real pressure on teams to spend that the the most of their money on the attack because that's what put but that's what puts butts in the seats, and um, you know that's that's just where the market is. Attackers cost more, so I think that part of it is that. You just—it's not a, quite the same focus for teams in transfer-wise. I think that teams that make it a real priority to shore up their back line, with the exception of the New England Revolution, um, have generally found success doing so. Yeah, I—I I, I mean, I would love to see. There's American central mid- midfielders out there who I would love to see Minnesota splash Tam on trade, make a big trade, and do that, and and pull them in, and they're not. It's not going to be sexy, but it will have a big effect. Um, uh, there, there are guys out there who aren't who are they're known quantities and they're just B plus A minus guys, you know. But the likelihood of you going on the international market and getting a gem and uh, you know an A, a Darwin Quintero of the number six or center back, it's it's low. Instead, go with someone who's a much uh, more known quantity. This way, 
the way Sam Cronin was. Yeah, I was um, going to bring that up. Yep. How we missed them this season. Will hey, Carpenter Wes, uh, says former uh, Minnesota United transfer target, rumored transfer target Tim Ream is in the Premier League right now. How do you how do you feel about that? Do you want me to stab you in the face? <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, I don't know what he asked for salary wise, but Minnesota didn't sign him because he wanted too much and. Uh, Whoops! Uh, I don't care. Make him. Your, they, <laughs> they make him. They they make them that the first DP. They spend money out of the gates, and Minnesota uh, wins three more games last year, and three you know, and that puts them almost in playoff position. Uh, it's it's unreal the difference that that could have made. Uh, Will's question is going to be too long. Um, you know, David Martin says asked this question, which is funny. Um, though United won only one against Toronto, they had looked pretty damn good for a month straight leading up to Toronto. So is it possible that the the crappy Houston game is the outlier, etc.? Can this be a blip in an otherwise okay run of showings? And then he got kind of torn apart by some people. <laughs> I think this, this whole Twitter feed or this whole Twitter thing, I was... <laughs> Well, this con- this whole conversation was really interesting to follow. But I think so. he had a, he had a good point, which is that Minnesota was the better team against Dallas. Got unlucky. Yeah, Minnesota was way better against Colorado, and then got Miguel, a red card, and, right? You know, and then fell apart. Um, you know, yeah. Minnesota was better against Toronto, uh, and then Houston. They were crappy. You know, can we say that? You know, was that kind of? I mean, right, but if you look at the whole month, well, you also have to look at the SKC loss, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and David so. got taken to the woodshed by Colin Solberg on Twitter, and nobody hates moral victories like Colin Solberg hates moral victories. <laughs> uh, so uh, it was just a funny conversation. Um, yeah. I think that I think that I I, I I'm with Colin, kind of. I. I I think that Minnesota have played "quote unquote" better, but often against really poor teams, in like in advantageous situations for them. And I just, it has been a, it's been a long time since I thought that Minnesota really were out there executing a plan, doing what they wanted to do in a game, as opposed to just reacting to what the other team was doing. And. So I, I, I also disagree with the idea that Minnesota have played well recently. I think that they have... I don't think they've played well. I think it's more that um, they don't play like a terrible team at times, and then yeah. they play like a terrible team other times. Uh, but I, I honestly, I do think that this team is not too many tweaks away from pre- being a pretty decent team. And in the West, a pretty decent team is a playoff team. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Honestly, every week I come on this podcast and I'm like either like basically like on the rooftops ready to jump or I'm like talking myself down and be like, no, this isn't that bad. Uh, and that's because I want, I do want either the players or the coaches, the people that I kind of criticize, criticize, I want them to prove me wrong. So I'm really looking for them to, for me to be wrong. Cook being so mean to players. And, uh, but the fact is, like, you know, um, th- even with the double Ibarra now, uh, if Ibarra is as good as, as we kind of uh, um, hope, um, 
then you still have the same same problems that, that are happening in defense that have been happening day one with Demidov, and then they were blamed on Demidov, and then uh, you know apparently the 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 voodoo magic that uh, was was there is still there, um, and so I don't know. It's frustrating, but okay. On that note. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, right. no more questions. Uh, uh, no, we'll just end it. Uh, Rodrigo, thanks. Uh, good to see you. Alex, great to talk to you. Um, everyone, I will uh, I will hopefully see you at Townhouse Bar uh, this coming Sunday. I think the game is 10 o'clock. You know, you can look at it, your calendars. We'll open up uh, about half an hour before. Um, we'll have some drink specials, some pastries, and it'll be awesome. Uh, thanks, everyone. That, that was good, Eric. That's good. Was it really? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Awesome.